get to know the artist behind the epic melodies, songs, and beats. Celebrating the best new music from around the world. This is the A State of Trance Podcast. Yes, my name is Ruben Ronne and you're welcome to another episode of A State of Trance Podcast. Within the studio today, I haven't seen this man in such a long time. I think one of the last shows I did before COVID... Um, was in China somewhere, Shanghai, I think. Yes, it was Shanghai. Yeah. And I remember uh, having a good time there. You were on the decks as well. Simon Patterson, yes. welcome. Thank you for having me. Good to be back. It's been a very long time, like you say. Yeah. What have you done in the last uh, few, uh, well, years. few years? Yeah. Um, just a lot of um, soul searching and music, basically. Just um, I decided to go back to school and learn more about production. Um did that for six months and then I realized that I sort of knew what they were teaching. Um, and <laughs> like guys that did this for 20 years, come on. <laughs> yeah, so I was sort of, I learned a, a few extra bits, but I just then moved on to do like learning about mixing and mastering, which I'm starting in July, mm-hmm. a, um, a full-time course on that. Um, so yeah, but you know, I just, I, so I, I used to do a lot of stuff with my friend Dave and- you know, Dave Parkinson. Yeah, yeah. and I, I sort of realized that I'm, you know, I don't know if it was a self-belief thing for me, you know, about when COVID happened, I obviously can't afford to do that. So it's forced me to just be like, okay, let's just do this on my own. And now I've done it, I sort of realized that I can do it. And it's just, I'd rather do it on my own now, you know, it's like I'm very precious of things now. And, you know, I I knew much, I was just lazy, I think. It was just touring a lot and just, (laughs) you know, yeah, because you would you would come in the studio with, for example, with uh, with Dave, and you would come in with your ideas, and melodies, and be like, yeah, okay, just well, it's basically an engineer, up, basically. yeah, 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 just you know, come up with the idea and then tighten it up, and you know, help me with the automation and stuff like that. A little, just also, just again, lazy, laziness. You know, I just can't be bothered to do snare rolls, you know. Um, <laughs> so that has changed in the last few years. Yeah, I just do it all now on my own, and just you know, I have so much freedom now. I, I just honestly, the, the the weight of that off my shoulders is just like. Such a big thing. All you need is a pandemic just to get <laughs> yeah. that weight of your soul. Because yeah. you, uh, before we're going to dive into the rest of the podcast, you uh, spent COVID times in Asia as well. Yeah, I got stuck in Singapore, um, went to see my missus, and it was literally the day of them closing the borders. I got mm-hmm. there at like 10.30 at night. They closed the borders at 11 p.m. So I was like 30 minutes before that. And um, yeah, I couldn't get back to England. Like the only way I could get back was on these like designated flights. And I was just yeah. like, I'm not doing that. And I was sunny, you know, I'm wearing shorts and flip-flops every day. I was like, you know what, this is where I want to be. I can I, imagine because I've been to Singapore lately as well. It's beautiful there. Yeah, it's just like the cultures, like like I said to you earlier, it's like East meets West. You've got the best of the Western, but you've also got like, you know, the culture of China and Asia and just everything that's great about it. And I love the food. I love the vibe. I love the, just everything. It's clean. It's just a healthy place yeah, for me to be. Definitely. Yeah. I love it as well. Shout out to everyone in Singapore. Yeah, uh, definitely. Up. Okay, so I have a couple of questions for you by the listeners that were submitted through social media. Sure. Uh, but first, we always start the podcast with the most essential step in your life, which is, don't worry, I'm not going to talk about any marriages or kids, whatever. This is the moment where you fell in love with dance music. How did you fall in love with dance music? And did you decide that you be- wanted to be a DJ? Actually, well, my family was involved in music. My grandfather um signed and discovered Van Morrison. So it was always in my family to do music, okay. but uh, he wouldn't, I wanted to be an A&R basically. Um, yeah. And that was my dream job. Um, but he wouldn't, he didn't want me to do that. Uh, so he wouldn't help me. So I had to come to London. 
I just quit my, my, my studies and just said, okay, I'm going to do it on my own. Went to London and was actually sleeping on the streets for a couple of weeks, trying to knock on doors. And I was going to Camden Palace every Friday night. Yeah. Um, and I just was a regular face there constantly and hassling the DJs, which were Dave Lambert back in those days. Uh, he used to work for um, Positiva and then he just set up um, AMPM. Yeah. So uh, I begged him for a job and then he gave me some work experience and I started A&R at AMPM. So A&R is Artist and Repertoire Manager, which is basically uh, discovering artists, but also maintaining relationships with artists. Yeah, yeah, basically. So I did that, then I went into work for Incentive which is Ministry of Science. The label. grey labels, yeah. the, the grey vinyls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 With Liberation, Matt Derry, yeah. very cool, the remix, epic. Um, and yeah, I did that for a couple of years and then I started working for Judge Jules. But the, this, the, the point of the question was, yeah, I got, I used to go to Camden Palace every Friday night, uh, Peach. And um, that, the, you know, those days were just, it was just so busy, such an amazing club, like a amphitheater type vibe. Um, and just, that was it. I just fell in love with, I always fell in love even being back in Belfast, but just the, the regularity of going out clubbing and hearing the tracks and everything was so fresh and it was epic. So you grew up in Belfast? Yes. And your father, your grandfather discovered Van Morrison? Yeah. That's a, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. And that was the moment you decided you wanted to become an A&R. You went to London, you left Belfast behind you yeah. and just start the hustle basically. Yeah, basically, yeah. It took me a long, long I went the long way around. DJing was not really my end goal. Yeah. I just sort of fell into it. Um, working for Jules and then production, everything followed sort of suit. So, so you started out uh, at the label, of course, um, uh, Be Sorted and H1, I looked it up. Correct, and then yes. and then AMP and with Dave Lampert. Yeah. Uh, do you still remember the first tunes that, that ended up on your desk that you that you could sign off? Yeah. Um, the, the, but the big track at the time was um, Chocolate Puma. Um, Oh, I can't remember the name of it. No. I want to be with you. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Koshim was around that time. And oh, there's so many. Um, my, the big medium was big that back then. So I, when they used to come back from medium, I would just get like 500 CDs. Oh, plus. I remember those just, days. And like, each CD's got like 15 tracks plus. So medium was, a, uh, I have to explain this, this, because I don't think it's there anymore. It was in Nice, in yeah, Cannes, in Cannes and Nice. Yeah. It was a big music convention, a little bit like ADE, WMC. but more like with... WMC, back in the old days. Yeah, when it used but to also be. with major labels. So yeah. a lot of pop songs would end up there. And I think there was the time that pop music and dance music were really blending together. Yeah. And I remember also going there and you would travel home with like a stack of CDs and you would listen to everything that was coming in. Yeah. And then offers would fly out yeah, or come in. Yeah, scramble for who, who, who found it first, you know, yeah. like which, which guy's going to start listening to it first and find it. And then I, it'll be given to me. And I'm, if I miss something, you know, it's on me. Yeah. I remember there was a time when I, I missed a track. I can't remember what it was, but it was a, um, there was a battle between Positiva and someone else were going for it. And I'd got it, but I missed it. Okay. And they're like, so we were too late with sending out the facts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, what? they were like, why did you not you know, pick up on this? And I was like, I didn't think it was good enough. And I was like, oh my God, I missed it. But luck luckily they paid a lot of money for it and it didn't do well. So <laughs> <laughs> There you were. So yeah. you were right. Yeah. Always trust your ears. Yeah. So which uh, which tracks were the first one that you, um, that you, that you actually signed? That you were like, I can't okay, remember. I want to get A guy called uh, um, junk, junk Junkies, or I can't remember the, the, the name, the German. Junk for Junkies. Junkie Junkies, yeah. Yeah, it was drop guys. out. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the track. It's been so long. My, my memory's gone, but um, I, I can't, there's loads. Um, I really can't remember. It's, you caught me off guard. <laughs> but yeah, those guys, I remember those. Um, and it was around the time of, uh, we had a guy called GD on, um, um, incentive with the sub label 
um, looking after him. He, had a, he was a great producer, but I don't know what happened to him. But just, there was just a lot. Yeah. And then from that moment that you worked at the, the record labels, you started working for radio as well. Yeah. First Step Fontaine. And Judge Jules. And then Judge Jules. Yeah. What did you do for them? A&R, basically. Record shopping for them, listening to all their promos, and then picking out the good ones. Because that was different times, right? Now you get in an email and you just listen to the tracks. But back then you needed to chase... Yeah, labels. You needed to get to all the record shops in town, probably. Yeah, we had get the white labels and yeah, we had a conscious every record shop coming back with stacks of records. Um, it was such good times because you would find that one gem. I remember uh, the one, one the one record I found, which was massive, was Tom Craft Loneliness. No one, no one had that, and Joel smashed it. It was just became massive. Um, and that, you know, it was just a fluke to find it. That was great. I always think like these DJs back in the days because I did the same. I went to a record shop like maybe two or three record shops, there was always like a little, how do you say it? Like a little box with the name of the DJ on it. And I was always looking at them. These, oh, these men have it so easy. Yeah. Have, you know, they come into a record store and it's already labeled out and everything. I needed to go through everything myself. Yeah. So it was, for example, you would go to the record shop, yeah. pick it up for Judge Jules yeah. and then- Yeah, I, listen I would to listen it. to them in the shop and then I would take them home. And then if he liked them, then we, we would keep it. But I remember back in the days, because this is a big thing, when you did what Radio One was like, if a track was played on Radio One, yeah. and for example, you had a small record label, then for example, Positivo would come in and like, hey, yeah, we Josh Schultz played it, yeah. we want to sign it. Yeah. So it was a massive thing. Massive it was thing. a big responsibility on your shoulders it as well. Was, yeah. Yeah, I loved those days though, you know, and it was just constantly, all I was doing was just listening to music. That was it. That's all I had to do. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just a dream. Yeah. No admin, no nothing, just... Your job is just to find me records. No problem. And you worked hard to get in that spot. Yeah, I, I begged, a lot of patience. And begged and begged <laughs> Jules to let me do it. And he was just like, no, someone did it before and they didn't do a good job. I had to go and he gave me a job cataloging, cataloging his old record collection. It was like 70,000 records. I had to put them from A to Z in order. I, I only got oh, to wow. like D before I gave up. But That's too much. I was hustling them every time to. You were like, okay, I'll do this. I'll yeah, do whatever get, it just takes. Just to get in, just to get in, just to get in. Yeah. And, then, and then he gave me a chance. And then, yes, that was it. Was Are like, you still in touch with, uh, with I him? I haven't spoken to him for a long time. No. I, I know he's back DJing again, but no, I just, that was a period of just. Yeah, he jumped into being actual a lawyer. lawyer. Yeah. yeah. I sometimes see his name pop up in emails sometimes. Yeah. And he's running in as a lawyer still, but he, he's DJing he, again. He was studying uh, that law degree whilst I was working for him, like plus DJing. Like he was doing like four nights a week and I was like, you know, I'm studying. It's like crazy. four nights a week with multiple gigs a night. Yeah, exactly. I was, I was studying at the same time. And I remember being on a flight with him and he was just doing his law degree and I was asking him, you know, what's this for? And he was saying, yeah, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm like, what? You're Judge Jules, you know? <laughs> you don't need to be a lawyer. Yeah. You're the judge. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then the next step in your career after being the a and working on the radio, of course, uh, is the moment that you actually started making music as well. Did you start out with, uh, I think your first project was Dogzilla actually? Yeah, yeah. Um, that was basically um, Jules's idea. And because I was doing his record cataloging, he had so many, you know, hip hop and sort of 70s, 80s disco stuff that, which is that first Dogzilla track is me. It's just sample of, of his, all the records that we were just sampling, yeah. all the loops. You were doing it together with, with Richie? I just sampled it and then he, yeah, he made it basically. So you were just go, doing your A&R job once again, yeah. finding the right samples? Yeah, that whole track is just samples, apart from the melody, but everything else is samples. It's like from like hip hop and disco and wait, everything. And that's sort of where, for me as a producer, like sort of I got my sort of vortex. I just realized that sampling is just the future. Yeah. It was the past and the future. Yeah. And you kept on go doing this doing because that, it, yeah. because back then you probably didn't know why. Uh, 
that it would happen actually because you did Dogzilla, of course. Uh, Your Eyes was absolutely one yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah, um, good and then you took that along in your future productions as well, just sampling. I don't know if they probably don't know it, like Everybody, M&M samples and stuff yeah. like that. There's not anyone I haven't sampled. So hopefully one day when I'm 80, I'm going to get a lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey guys, this is Marshall Matters. Yeah. <laughs> I heard some of my stuff in your tracks. Yeah. Good job, but this give it to me you, right now. This is what you owe us. Yeah. <laughs> so you did the, the Dogzilla project for a while for only five tracks, yeah. something like that. Yeah. And then uh, I would say 2006 was the first actual Simon Pedersen track that started out. Mm, F-16? Yes, yes, that's it. Yeah. Tell us about it. How yeah. was that journey of going from Dogzilla to going to Well, I was F-16? pretty scared because I thought, okay, I'm now, what am I going to do? I don't make music on my own. So I was like scared that, um, yeah, how am I going to do this? And no one, uh, um, I, 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 and I also didn't know what my style was because I, 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 I knew what I liked, but I had a lot of rock influence in me and Richie. Because of your grandfather. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and Richie too. So like, I didn't, I didn't know if I would be like, you know, stuck in a trap of what am I about? So then Psytrance was sort of a big thing for me. So I just went down that route. And luckily with F-16, that was just a pure fluke. I was like lying on a beach and a, with my eyes closed and a plane flew over my head. And whilst the track was playing, I was like, wow, wow that would be an amazing breakdown. And then, yeah, that, that, without that plane in there, the track would have meant nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Well, it was, a, I guess that's the, that's the sampler inside of you that was like, okay, you hear something outside of the music, bring it to the music and make a success out of it. Yeah, yeah. I guess and, so. And suddenly you had a career. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Off that one track. Yeah. And then Bulldozer was next and stuff. Um, and that was a fluke. So I was trying to rip off E. Craig, but I couldn't get the kick in. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, okay, you know what? Forget it. We'll just kick in like this. Um, which is just easy, stripped back off, you know, crazy sort of Prids-esque bass line. Yeah. Um, I just thought nothing of it. And then I, I, I didn't even play the track out. I was like, this is just, because it wasn't good. It wasn't like E. Craig. I was like, okay, sack it off. And then people loved it. I was like, wow. Okay. And then I believed in it. That's just a thing for me. If, if people don't like my stuff, I sort of don't have a lot of belief mm-hmm. in playing it out, you know, for the first time. I, I let people play it out first and then I, then I start believing. I know this feeling. Yeah. It's scary sometimes to play something out that you just produced. And- yeah. And you're like, okay, this is not good enough. Is it good enough? Yeah. It's just, you just rely on someone else's ears in the yeah, meantime. Yeah. So that, that helped me with that track. Did you realize at a moment that you, pro- that you really created within like two or three tracks, you really created your own sound? Like, because there was not a lot of people that, that, inf- that already had that side influence back mm-hmm. then, because, you know, in 2019, everyone was doing it, but this is, this is 2006, 2007. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing was, you know, when I look back even now, like, I, I, how do I, how did I make this stuff? It was just, I wasn't trying, make it, making these tracks to be big. I was just doing them because just for fun, you mm-hmm. know, like it was like no pressure. It's like, okay, this is, this is just how it's going to be. And now, I, you know, it's, I wish I could go back to that way of, of me, like just a little bit less pressure and just, just doing things to, I'm, I'm now conscious of making tracks big, whereas before I was just making tracks for tracks, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Just to fill up your own DJ sets, basically. Yeah, yeah. And then it's, it's the, the next step, I guess, was, um, you were creating such big contrast within your songs because Miss You, for mm. example, came out like a super emotional dance floor, people crying, oh, this is beautiful. And then smash them in the face with the drops. Yeah, that, that, that was it. That was, my, that was just the, the formula I followed. Just epic, emotional. Make people cry and then yeah, kill and them. Then kill them, yeah. See you. <laughs> See you later. Yeah. <laughs> I remember these days because um, I think the first international uh, shows that we were doing with the State of Trends, I, I think it was... 
Canada or New York or something. You you were there with Sean Tyus. Yes, right. Yeah. And and these <laughs> were proper rock days, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that uh, Daphne she used to work for All Day Fans. She probably still has nightmares about you too. Oh yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> like <laughs> me and Tyus back then, we were the yeah, we were we were rock stars. I'd say That's the, the amount work. of calls I got is that was like, I I can't reach Simon and Sean. I don't know where they are. We need to find them. Where are they? Deadly Joe, man. <laughs> <laughs> what is the weirdest? Okay, let's let's sidetrack for a second. What is the the most fun moment that you ever had with Sean being on tour like that? Oh, there's just too many, man. Oh God, there's too many. I, I don't no want, one's listening, so you can I just spill the beans. Come on, steal the beans on him. But um, wow, I, I have too many. But oh, I can't tell the story. He'll go nuts. Yes, you can. Come on. No, no, no. Um, yeah. Well, there was a one story with Sean where um, him. We were in Poland once and um, there was like a, I don't know, she was about 70 years old lady who was, um, you know, into Sean um, and he was not into her basically. Uh -huh. um, and he wanted to get out of the club pretty quickly. So um, when, once he left, I told, the, he was, the girl was like, where, where, where did he go? So I gave um, her, her Sean's room number to him <laughs> in the hotel and she knocked on his door. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, he said he looked through, he looked through the, the the eye hole, and he was like, oh, "What? How the hell did she get here?" And he opened, opened the door. I don't know. I don't know what happened, but yeah, he he sent her on her way. But yeah, I just uh, me and Sean had a, such a banter back then. You always we throw punches at each other. Yeah, always. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, right now, you you kind of have the the same relation, I would say, with John Eskew and Greg Downey. Mm. Um, how did your friendship start out with the, with the three of you? Um, well, Greg, I've known for a long time since maybe the early. Uh, I used to DJ at the cross uh, he, and he, you know, same age as me. So, um, lived in Belfast, which we didn't know each other in Belfast, just met in London. So I've been, you know, we very close friends for many years, same, same sort of mentality, you know, um, he's, he, you know, really gets me on every level. So yeah, it was more of a friendship rather than, than anything to do with music. Same, same with John, knowing him for X same amount of time. And, um, yeah, I, our relationship, um, blossomed because back then that you know i was making good music but i sort of needed i need some guidance here and there yeah, yeah. direction and you know i i sort of need that otherwise I, i just go off the beaten track and john was starting to do um management at the time and you know uh he thought he could do something with me and you know i've put him through <laughs> a lot of you know, times but we've had some good times too so yeah without him i you know i i need that you know positivity and belief in me because I sometimes I just sort of it's like what you mentioned earlier like that you don't play your own tunes yeah. out until someone like really affirms to you like it's yeah, good exactly yeah I so know. you have someone in your ear just saying okay Sean you're doing for uh, Simon, Simon you're yeah. doing the right thing sorry um that's interesting do you think that's one of the most important things that you can have in the music scene that you have good friends around you and good guidance around you yeah very important I would like that you just get lost I think for people coming through, you know, obviously I'd say the most important thing is finding your own sound. That's, that's the number one thing, but you know, there's a lot of things that goes into it now, social media, which I am terrible at, mm -hmm. I hate it, um, but I know I have to, to do it, but you, you need a team. I need, you need a structure, you need a, a plan, you know, it's all well and good doing the music, but like if no one knows about it, like I'm doing now, um, it's not, what's the point, you know? Yeah. So you have to have a team of, you know, plans in place and people to help with all the other aspects which are really, really important. Do they also decide which direction you're taking? Because um, one of the things that, that I always find with your DJ sets are really like club driven and hard. And mm. then you would release like emotional 
vocal tunes, for, for example, like Dissolve, mm. over 6 million streams already, even more, I think, on Spotify. <laughs> Why is it that there's such a big contrast between your DJ sets and productions? Because the guidance that you get from other people that you need to no, release no, no, those no, kind no, of things? No, because I, I, I love slow stuff. It doesn't matter what the BPM is, but I love emotional stuff too. I love vocals. Yeah. I love, you know, I listen to bands when I grew up. I love that sort of indie vibe. Mm -hmm. um, so it's important to have the, the the driving stuff as well as, you know, without the hits, like the big vocals, you're not really going to push yourself forward as a, a true artist. If I'm just making like underground stuff all the time, yeah, okay, that's cool for like, if I'm going to be just the techno guy or something that's underground and that's it, you know, but if I want to be like known... It helps to be a bigger name if you make sort of vocal tracks and bigger tracks. So yeah. I know that's a very important thing to do. And I also love making harder stuff and slower stuff and vocal stuff. So it sort of keeps me interested because if I do the same thing over and over, it's, I lose interest. I get bored so easy, you know, and, and yeah. it's, um, but you know, when I play these in my sets, I still play them at like 140. So <laughs> still banging yeah some some bits and pieces yeah, and the bass is totally gone <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man well, well you know i love those tunes as well so i can imagine that for example um because i have the same i wouldn't say it's a problem but people expect you to in a dj set of one hour to play all these hits that you made in the past but you have to look forward as well yeah and i hate that man you know like i i mean i played luminosity last year and it was such a good set on the Sunday and it was packed, but, you know, I had to play just me, all my old stuff. And, yeah. I, you know, I was thinking, wow, is this really what it's now come down to? Like that people just want to see me because of this. Yeah. I, I made these tracks from like 10, 12 years ago and they're still, that's it. That's all, what they want to hear. And like, it's, you know, when you're trying to move forward, I just think God is, is you know, where are we going? You know, I, I need to, I also need to be the, an artist that's pioneering and not looking back. I, yeah. I appreciate people want to hear this stuff. You know, you don't, you go and see Coldplay, you expect them to play Yellow, you know, mm -hmm. I would be pissed off if they didn't. But, you know, you have to, we're the pioneering in, in that. I think it's so important to be a leader. And I do, always, you think, do you think that's a problem that people expect you to play the same, basically, tunes all the time? I think it is, yeah. I think a lot of people, when I don't play that, they get annoyed. Um, I, I, I can appreciate that, but come on, man, like, these are 12 years old. Like it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's very coarse than playing Goriella, but you know, come on, they move on. No, he doesn't want to do that either anymore. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Cause it's, it's in the past. I, I, I like when I do these one-off things, I, it's cool for me, but like recently I've done a lot of shows where it's like, it's expected now. I'm like, okay, no, nah, that's not, it's, it's not going to happen. You know, I have to push on. Yeah. Cause I, I love other styles and I, I want to be a pioneer and not look back. Yeah. Because I think, if, if you keep on doing the same thing all the time, then it's just going to fade out. Yeah, it's going to, people are going to be bored because they expect, they know I'm going to play us, you yeah. know? I, it's, I play it us every show, like they know I'm going to play it. Like I, I want to be, you know, a bit of expectation. Like, is he going to, what's he going to play? Not like I know he's going to play smack, thump. It's just, nah. It's too easy. Mm. But I have to say, uh, I've seen a clip of you playing us at Luminosity. Mm. Something happened though. Very Something emotional. happened. Very, that track is just, it makes me, you know, it makes me, yeah, it has a, I don't, I can't explain to you. It just brings back every mm, emotion in my life. That's been a big deal to me. I, I, that, I feel that in that track it makes mm -hmm. me, yeah, it makes me sad. Sad? Mm. In, a, in a bad way or sad, in, a, in, a, in, a, way. in a good way? Yeah. This makes me grateful and just, just gives me a feeling that nothing else does. I, I can't explain to you. It's just got that magic. Is it hard for you to play the track out then? Or is it, is it 
Yeah, because I, I was going through a bit of a bad time a couple of years ago, and it, that it's sort of signatured around that time. And yeah, it's now I put that to bed. It's it's better for me. But at the, you know, when, when the first couple of times playing that out since those times, it was like yeah, very. That's what comes back into my brain, and it's yeah, it, it feels. I that's feel, what happened at Luminosity. Yeah, because I like people were were weeping on the dance floor. Mm. Like, and I, I saw the clip that people on the side were just like, "What is what is happening here?" That was a moment. Mm. I felt very. So yeah, very, yeah, even now, like yeah, it's, it's, it's emotional. Yeah. But, but since that moment, I've, it, I moved on. Like you know, I play it. Like I, I, it's happy. Yeah, yeah. I guess that was one of those moments. You came out of well, Singapore had a very strict lockdown. Yeah. I guess it was the, one of the first the shows last that you could have. To get out. Of yeah, 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 yeah. So everything just came out and like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, I, I, the last I, three years just crying on Montreal. Yeah. I can imagine. Well. um then at a certain point, you decided after many years with spinning records, you decided to start your own label, Night Vision. Mm. Um, what happened with Night Vision? What, yeah, like, exactly. Because there was such a short period of time that you just ran that. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, just because they went in a different direction. They weren't really, the sign, trance wasn't a priority to them anymore. Yeah. So the tracks that I wanted to sign, they were sort of like, no, no, no. And then it just, just didn't make sense. And unfortunately, I was in such a big contract with those guys like that. I had to buy myself out, and which was a nightmare. Cause otherwise, I'd be stuck. So, um, luckily, I did get out of that. But because mm -hmm. they, back then, when I was releasing stuff on spinning, they were really trance heavy. You know, Sander Van Dorn, like oh, he, you know, he, it was a really great time for spinning. That's that spinning sound um, as well. It's renowned. You met, of course, as well. Yeah, like great sound. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but then they just changed direction just overnight, really, and yeah. I was just yeah, sort of stuck there. Not until I got myself out of the contract and it was able to go elsewhere. But um, yeah, that, that was very short-lived. I enjoyed it, but I, the, the good thing about having a label is getting the tracks up front and having exclusive stuff. So you're going back to your A&R days? Yeah. But so the, but, yeah, like but, on the chase for the songs yeah, that you, yeah, I like that you that. want to have. Exactly. And then uh, a new era came because, uh, well, of course, you, I think Brushstrokes was the first one that you signed with the Who's Freddy 138. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, Dissolve came. Yeah. Um, many other tunes like that and also the seven seven started off mm. now I know uh, like last weekend I, I played in, uh, in in Prague which you were playing there as well yeah, with, yeah. with John so it was the funny thing is there was someone at my show with a seven shirt on oh yeah it was like okay you're at the wrong venue but I appreciate you being here yeah. um, what can you share us about seven a uh, concept that uh, John came up with and um, asked what, you know me to be involved in and he just basically you know we wanted to find the best seven artists in their you know, I wouldn't say particular genre but like in their with their own unique sound and style yeah. you know mm -hmm. and that could release on a label that is exclusive and just have a certain entity about it in a certain like um, class um, so it's you seven artists with all a unique sound and, mm -hmm. and, and how, you know, take and how they do things. And it's a, yeah, sort of, it's like a family really. It's when we do the seven shows, it's a, a journey of just all things like hard, sigh, progressive, just uplifting everything. So basically family, do I have to see it like this, that you have a WhatsApp group all together or something like that? Yeah, that you but we don't, share, don't share memes together that. or? Yeah, yeah. John's, he's, he's, he, he loves that, but I don't reply. <laughs> you have it muted. <laughs> Archived. <laughs> <laughs> Archived. That's a smart one. Um, quick jump forward because uh, we're running out of time a little bit. Ignition. That's a new single that yeah. came out this week. Um, 
quite a unique one as well. Mm. What can you tell about that one? Yeah, this was when Io died, um, which was a big thing for me because he was the one person, that his sound, his branding, his his vibe was, you know, he was, and I, uh, when I watched him in his interviews, he said the same thing that I felt about, you know, his, his, he loves trance, but he's lost a little bit his identity. So he created IO. Mm-hmm. And I love that stripped back, you know, techno vibe he had. So when he died, it was like, wow. I mean, it really hit me hard because I admired him so much. So I wanted to make a track that was like one of his tracks, stripped back, heavy techno with a vocal. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I made it and I didn't think anything of it, but like I lost the kick and bass of it because my I changed computers and it didn't back up. On, it was on Time Machine, but the samples lost. Um, so I had to go back and change it. And I didn't think anything of the track. I put it in a, in a SoundCloud for John to listen to. And he's like, this track's great. And it, the, there's no kick and bass in it. And I said, yeah, I lost the kick and bass. So I, he said, this is a priority to finish. So I didn't think anything of it because it was just basically a, a fun track for me based yeah. on, on IO. Inspired by IO. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, so I just finished. I got the new kick and bass, really techy. I've sort of found a new sound with like these really big kick drums and just, like a Psy-esque mid-bass with it and a rumble. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, just, that's the new vibe that I'm really going for, like this techno, just driving, yeah. with a little bit of Psy drive in it. Um, and yeah, this vocal is from a sample pack from years ago. Um, so yeah, and it, yeah, I just finished it. Back to the sampling again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have to say, I have to mention this because uh, Ayo, unfortunately, unfortunately, he's not with us anymore. Yeah. But I, like the last couple of weeks, I've been thinking, he is the man that basically started the whole techno revolution again. Yeah. Like he, the, the, the commercial techno, like vocals, big riffs. Yeah. He, uh, because when he started out doing this again, he, he was booked by Insomniac to play in all these main stages. And he was the only one playing these, these techno sounds. Yeah. And now everybody's doing it. Yeah. And he was accepted also a little bit in techno too. And yeah. it's very rare that, that happens. Very rare. He was even able to play Space Miami. He's like, yeah. what? Yeah, I would dream to play there, but yeah, he, as he's a, you know, you know, I don't know if the techno guys would call him trance, but to me he wasn't. He was, he was just he's genreless. Yeah, it was just techno. He could, and he would play breaks or dub, whatever he wanted to, and I, that's inspiring to me and to then, be able to do of that. Of course, uh, Dead Mouse was all over his sound as well. Yeah, yeah, his Elm with lights was yeah, absolutely amazing. beautiful. Yeah, so dearly missed Gareth, hundred uh, yeah. percent. Um, all right, I have a couple of uh, of questions of fans. I have to go through them quite okay. quick because okay, we're yeah. already half an hour in. Okay, okay. So, uh, this is a sensitive one. And think about it very well before you answer it. Stavi wants to know who's your favorite from the seventh crew and why. Hmm. Wow. Um, Pretend no one's listening. <laughs> I mean, uh, okay. Musically. Let's keep it that. That's musically. probably easiest. Wow. I love them all. I mean, I, I, listen, I'm going to be diplomatic and sit on the fence, but I would say Asterix, who was part of Seven. Mm-hmm. It, he was my favorite um, musically. And all listen, every, we're all quite sort of unique in what we do. And, you know, I like everyone's stuff, but it's not... It was close to your sound that you were yeah, playing your he, sets. Yeah, he yeah. was the one that was just like, and always is the pioneer. Next one, uh, P. Zilla wants to know, when are you going to be back in LA to play a show? Uh, actually, uh, October, I'm playing a show with John together. Ask you, me and him in October at Avalon. Oh, nice. Mm. Awesome. Uh, Gianluca Filosi, favorite footballer you idolized growing up? Uh, a goalkeeper called Ian Walker who played for Tottenham. Okay, yeah. why? 
Actually, I was a goalkeeper too, and he, I sort of had the same haircut as him. And like, yeah, I just he was. Explain I, the haircut, please. Like the curtains. Curtains. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. All right. The nineties. So yeah. you're you're excused. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I had it too, so it's fine. Yeah. The Nick Carter cut. Yeah. I would say that. Alessand, what do you think about melodic techno and the trans influence right now in many other EDM genres? The great thing. Yeah. I mean, it's just trans slowed down, isn't it? That's what I think it is. I think it's great. And, you know, the fact that people are playing, that, the fact that that's not a big sound and it's, you know, trans elements, it opens the door for everyone. And well, I agree. Yeah, it's great. Everybody's it. borrowing it and making it bigger for us as well. Exactly. Yeah. The last one already, um, you have to probably explain something about this because I'm not 100% aware. Uh, Arthur Gigon wants to know how is your project with Greg Downey going? Uh, yeah, this is an interesting one. Um, we did so many tracks and it's just with our own solo stuff, it was just so hard to finish them. There's like 15 tracks that are like, some of them are 30%, some of them are 60%. We just decided that we're going to split them up and take them for ourselves mm -hmm. because it was just the pressure of finishing our own stuff on top of having to do the project was just too much at that time. We will do stuff. We, we've taken two tracks from that project to do as a collab and release it. But some of the tracks we just took back because they were just sitting there and not, not being finished. So we're, we're going to come back to that. Okay. Promise made. Yeah, I promise. It's it's in print now. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay, the last thing I would love to know because uh, our next guest on the podcast is going to be Maddox. Okay. Um, would you have a question for him to ask? Yeah, how do you make that ridiculous bass and kick so tight? That's a question I want to know as well yeah. because that man is on a different planet yeah. with his acids. Yeah, and acids as well, but his kick and bass combo is like so clean. It's so tight. Loud and clean. Yeah, yeah. and how do you get it so loud okay. and clean? I'll make sure to ask it. Okay, and let I'll, me know, please. Like, I'm I'll let steal you know. His idea. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thank you so much for answering all these okay, questions, thank you Simon. For having me. I appreciate and uh, it. I hope to see you not again in like six years, years, but yeah, make it a little yeah. bit uh, okay, sooner than that. I appreciate that. it for having me. Thank you. Like I said, next time we're going to be here with the State of Trends podcast with Medics. If you have any questions for him, write them down here in the comment section. And I'll see you next time for a new State of Trends podcast. Bye. See ya. Thank you for tuning in. Check all previous episodes on YouTube or your favorite podcast portal.